What's up, what's up, everybody? Wendy, coming at you. It's Stock Showdown. Um, one of my aliases is Wendy. That's uh, coming from my students for whatever reason. They uh, they started calling me Wendy, and that would be my first initial uh, W, and my last name Anderson, and they shortened it up and made it Wendy as the combination. So, nevertheless, I, I kinda, you know it's it's kind of stuck over the years. Kind of like it, so I'm gonna go with it for a little while. So this is Wendy coming at you. Stock showdown week four review. Uh, what I decided to do with these podcasts uh, and. It, it made sense last week when I was really getting into a lot of detail from the week three showdown and the week four preview is I extended uh, the time and went over the amount of time I had for these podcasts and extended past the 30 minutes and I had to break it up. So to prevent that from happening again, I'm going to break these podcasts into two separate segments uh, moving forward where the review of the week that just passed will take place on Saturday and I'll do a preview of the week ahead on Sunday. Uh, the winners are already announced and I, I will do that and I will continue to commit to that on every Friday evening. Uh, as soon as the market closes at 4 p.m. on Fridays, I'll have the data and I'll be able to announce and present that data through our YouTube channel, Stock Showdown YouTube channel. Uh, I will walk through how to navigate the website and show you where to find those results and, and give acknowledgement to the winners and, and break down what took place during the week and, and showcase that on the website. These podcasts are meant to, I guess, piggyback off of that and, and, and dig deep into what moved the markets and the particular stocks that were involved in the week uh, prior showdown. So in this case, week four, now will be taking place on Saturdays. So here we are, Saturday morning. 550 in HQ, the basement here, my house in Sparta. Uh, and then week uh, five preview, which will be the upcoming week, will be taking place on Saturday, uh, excuse me, Sunday mornings. And I'll be able to dig deep into the companies uh, for the upcoming week. So moving forward, that's what we're gonna you know piece together with these podcasts and different YouTube uh, videos. Ultimately, it's meant to engage the customer, you, uh, more with what we're trying to do here at Stock Showdown. And that's make you more engaged uh, with the different stocks and the market as a whole. Speaking of that, <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been approached by you know people that I would normally not be approached by uh, this past week, whether that be in, in, in my workplace, whether that be online in the different um, you know, different social media chat platforms uh, that I use. I've been regularly trying to now this past week, give daily updates on our Facebook and Twitter page uh, to indicate to the customers how they've been performing um, day by day. Just again, enhance the customer engagement with this experience. I don't wanna have that mentality of set it and forget it. I want people to be engaged with the platform. So I figured if I do it more regularly and make these posts on Facebook, then again, it's, it's going to enhance the customer experience. So nevertheless, I've been approached uh, this week, and this is good, uh, more regularly by people I normally wouldn't be approached by in, in my workplace or, or online, asking questions about uh, what I thought was taking place in the market this past week. And 
you know, looking at the 44 companies from from week four that were in the stock showdown, remember each and every week, you're gonna, we're gonna be taking four companies from each of the 11 major sectors in the economy. So that's a grand total each week of 44 companies uh, at your disposal. And your objective is to pick seven of those 44 uh, that you think are worth holding on to for that, that current week. And the objective is to have the, the most points or the best percentage movement of those seven companies compared to everybody else that's participating. Well, out of 44 companies this past week, all five, only five, five of 44, which represents about 11%, 11% of the companies in the week four showdown were positive. Only five companies actually had a positive return and a positive movement this week. Everybody else, the other 39 companies were in the red and some negligibly, others, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> I mean, some of the names uh, that have been making headlines recently had major pullbacks. For example, NIO, N-I-O, it has gained a lot of traction. It's an electric vehicle car maker, comparable to Tesla, who has had gigantic moves over the last year. Now again, you have a new administration coming in who is, is really trying to promote uh, clean energy, renewable energy, and, and companies like Tesla and NIO um, are gonna benefit from that. But that euphoria has, has been accelerating recently, almost to the point where it, it, it's too much. So there has been some significant, I think, profit taking along the way with some of these high flying names that have, that, have, that have moved up so substantially in such a quick period of time. President Biden got us back into the Paris Accord. That was one of his first executive orders on, on inauguration day. So, you know, that really benefited some of those, you know, renewable energy companies, NEO, immediately. And, and once Biden was uh, presumed the winner of the election, NEO has, has had substantial gains. So I think this is now some profit taking uh, that has been happening uh, with some of these high flying names that have done well uh, since President elect, well, President Biden got into office officially. That would be my take on, on, on that one. And that was the, I think, if I'm looking at it correctly here, that was the name that moved the most to the downside this past week. Um, you know, you had GM uh, was also in the competition. They pulled back about 8%, but there was a lot of, again, hype around GM and all the new vehicles that it's producing this past um, Consumer Electronics Show when they displayed all sorts of new gadgets and electronic, uh, you know, electric vehicles, the partnership that they just announced with Microsoft, that Microsoft's going to be helping them with all its autonomy. So, you know, there was a lot of hype around GM and GM has done quite well recently, up maybe about 60% over the last three to six months. So this too uh, appeared to be maybe some profit taking. Um, in addition, um, you know, there might, you know, you can make the case for it being profit taking in some of these names. But some of these names, um, you know, I think large in part pulled back because the market 
pulled back as a whole. And I believe the market as a whole, and when I say the market as a whole, <laughs> I get asked this question. I got this, asked this question a few times this past week. Um, I would be approached by, again, people that I, I would never nor, normally not be approached by. And they would say, what do you think? What do you think's happened with the markets? I was like, what do you mean by markets? And uh, their response would be like, well, you know, like, like GameStop and AMC. You've been seeing what's happening with those? <laughs> so let me let me stop and, and I guess educate a little bit that GameStop and AMC are not the market, okay? What's happening with GameStop and AMC and, and a few other names like BlackBerry and Nokia, <laughs> names that, you know, we, maybe again, it depends on, on, on how old you are. And you know, obviously I'm gonna date myself here, you know, I, I recognize, those names, uh, specifically like BlackBerry. I was given a BlackBerry in 2005, my first job out of college. Uh, we all, all employees were issued Blackberries. Uh, Nokia, I think I had one of those, those big brick phones. Uh, I mean, my first one may have been like, I don't know, like 03 or something like that. Uh, so obviously dating myself here, but nevertheless, those names have, have you know, lost their luster over the years. And the same now, I guess, is holding true more with like a GameStop and, AM, and an AMC, mainly due to the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic is, is really, you know, hampering the likes of an AMC um, where you can't operate your theaters. And, and for a long period of time there, I'd say maybe like six months or so, maybe even longer. It depends geographically where you're at. That AMC theaters were completely closed to the public. It's only become recently that AMC has started to open its theaters. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll piggyback off that one. AMC opened its theaters um, and started showing old video, old films and new films in, in limited capacity. And they've opened it up to, I guess, birthday celebrations. And I know that because my son, shout out to my boy Gavin, turned six the other day, eight days ago. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to have a birthday party. And, you know, with the pandemic, it's kind of difficult to have a birthday party uh, where you're inviting kids over and you go to a location and everybody's in close proximity. So we, we have to be able to adapt to, to the current situation. So we uh, thank God, my wife, God bless her. Shout out to my wife, Courtney, uh, looked into it to have a birthday party for our son and looked into AMC and AMC is showing these old videos. Um, or old films and not not too old it depends on on what your interests are but they were showing the lego the lego movie lego movie 2 or whatever it is and you're able to rent it out for 20 people at a, at a certain cost uh negligible cost for 20 people and you get the whole theater to yourself so amc and, and cinemark and the likes of those are, are taking you know trying to pivot and and at least try to bring in some revenue rather than no revenue at all so they're trying to stave off bankruptcy, which AMC was able to do. They got a cash infusion, was able to raise some equity and, and stave off bankruptcy. Uh, I think last weekend they made that announcement. So that's good news. Uh, but for a long period of time, you had a, you got a lot of pessimism around AMC. You had a lot of pessimism around uh, GameStop, for example. You know, GameStop is located in a mall, usually brick and mortar store. Um, yeah, they have, you know, standalone locations and strip malls and things like that. But, for the, you know, for the most part, uh, their locations were closed too during the, during the beginning of the pandemic. It started to open up. That's fine. 
but you know the the pessimism around GameStop is that look if, if individuals want to get a game or a console or whatever it is they can just do that online and they can buy their games through whatever Steam I think is is a popular one and other platforms um, that they can get their video games streamed to them or they can buy their consoles online they don't necessarily need to go to a GameStop they can do it through Amazon or Walmart whatever it might be. So anyways, there's a lot of pessimism around um, companies like that. So what was taking place then is you have these big investment firms um, or, or what's called hedge funds. I don't want to get into too much detail um, that were using a strategy which, know, which is known as called short selling to take advantage of the pessimism around the likes of GameStop and AMC. So I'm going to I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to let that sink in. But I want to, you know, kind of go back and, and give you the, the you know, probably what 90% of, of Americans know about traditional investing. Traditional investing would be you look into the, the companies that you think are going to do well. Uh, that they, they have a product or a service that you use or that other people use, that a lot of people use, <laughs> that are going to continue to do well. Um, you know, investing is buying something, holding on to it for the long term, and then selling it later for a profit. A good example of that would be Apple. I'm using Apple because Apple is the world's most largest company. A, a valuation of about, I don't know, $2.1 trillion dollars. We all know Apple. We all know that they sell a lot of stuff. I mean, for example, Apple uh, released its quarterly reports and every company, every publicly traded company has to do this. Every quarter, they have to announce how they did. That's the responsibilities of a publicly traded company. So Apple, on Wednesday, after the market closed at 4 p.m., announced how they did for the prior quarter, which would have been from October 1st through December 31st. That just happens to be Apple's quarter one. I don't want to get into all that detail. Um, generally, that would be quarter four for uh, companies, but Apple reports on a September to September basis. So uh, nevertheless, their, uh, their most recent quarter, which was to, uh, October 1st through December 31st, they reported uh, $111 billion in sales, in revenue. It was their best quarter on record. Gross margins were 39%. They did extraordinarily well. So let's just say hypothetically that you bought a share of Apple at $100 per share. And let's say you did that last year. Right now, Apple's at like $130 a share. And that's great. You made money. You made 30% on your money. That would be a $30 profit divided by where it came from at $100. And that represents a 30% movement. That's if you sold. Now, long-term investing would be not like one year, but many years of holding on to Apple for the long-term. In the idea that you're going to sell it later for a profit. The downside is Apple could go down in value. If you bought it at 100 and it goes down to 50, let's say, that means you lost $50 per share or 50% of your money. <clears throat> The ultimate downside of that would be Apple goes to zero and you lose everything. 
that is long-term. You open up a long position. You make money when the stock goes up, you lose money when the stock goes down. Plain and simple. I think we all know that. That's traditional investing. We've all come accustomed to, whether that be through a 401k, an IRA, um, mutual funds, or, or just, again, trading stocks. There's a strategy out there, however, that's called short selling. So instead of being long something, like in the case of Apple, you could be short something. And this is where most people don't know this strategy. It's not taught to you in your, your financial literacy courses in high school. <laughs> and I know that because I used to teach financial literacy in high school. So nevertheless, what was happening, or this is a strategy that you can use, is let's say, for example, that you don't think Apple is going to do well in its, 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 in its future, that there's going to be better competition out there, or um, they're not gonna do so well with their phones, uh, that the 5G is, is overhyped or, or something like that. So you think that Apple is actually going to go down. Look, fact of the matter is, any company out there can't continuously go up with no sort of pullback along the way. So you've done your research and you see that Apple right now, who's trading at, let's just say, $100 per share, is trading above its intrinsic value. What is truly worth, because you've done your due diligence and you've done your analysis. So right now, if Apple were trading at $100 per share, instead of buying that share, because why would I buy it if I think it's gonna go down? Now, you could just wait and wait and wait until Apple goes down and then buy it back then. Once it's at a lower price, you could do that. Or you can use a strategy what's called short selling. Short selling will allow you to borrow. Borrow. You have to set up what's called a margin account with your brokerage firm, whether that be E-Trade, whether that be TD Ameritrade, whether that be Charles Schwab or the ever so popular now, Robinhood, where you can set up what's called a margin account. And what a margin account allows you to do is to borrow. And by borrowing, you're accruing debt. And with debt, you have to pay interest on that. So nevertheless, you could set up a short position, which allows you to borrow the shares of Apple with the idea that you're going to return these shares later. So uh, let me emphasize this. You don't own these shares, okay? These people that buy Apple stock and are holding on to these for the long term, those are the shares that you technically are borrowing. I don't want to say completely unbeknownst to the long-term investors of Apple that their shares are being lent out but it's all in the terms and conditions that this is what's happening. So if you're a long-term investor of Apple, it's, it's pretty likely that your shares are going to be loaned out to people that want to borrow them. Now, the idea then for these investors that want to borrow your shares of Apple, let's just say again, that Apple's at $100 per share, they would borrow that one share of Apple and they would immediately sell it on the open market for the current market price of $100.
So you take the one share that you just borrowed, you sell it for $100, and now you have $100 in your pocket. Less commissions and everything like that that it's actually costing you to borrow this share. But now you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait for all this bad news to come out about Apple and its 5G phones, that they're they're really not that good or, or whatever, and Apple stock does fall. And let's say it does fall to $50 per share. What you're gonna do right now is you're going to return that share that you borrowed. And to do so, you need to take the cash that was in your pocket that you remember, remember you borrowed that one share and you immediately sold it for a hundred. You have a hundred dollars in your pocket now. Now you have to go out and get that now new share that's out there that's now trading at $50. Armed with $100 in your pocket, you can buy that for 50 and pocket the difference. You return the share to your broker, less the commissions, and you've now gotten out of your position. That's called short covering. And you made $50 on that one share by seeing Apple fall in value. So instead of waiting and waiting and waiting for Apple to go down and then buying it at a cheaper price, you actually could benefit when Apple goes down in value. And that is what was happening with the likes of GameStop and the likes of AMC this past week. Now for years, months, years, whatever, these hedge funds and these investment banks had been opening up short positions against those companies and borrowing the shares of GME, that's GameStop and AMC and borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. And they kept borrowing the shares and borrowing the shares and borrowing the shares in the hopes that, and with all this negative publicity around AMC and, and GameStop due to the pandemic and for other reasons that, you know, again, that, you know, it's a poor business model. This business model is antiquated, et cetera, et cetera. And analysts continue to downgrade the stocks. Anyways, all that pessimism drove the price of the stocks of GME, GameStop, and AMC to very low levels. At one point, GameStop was trading at, I believe, about $2.57 a share, and AMC was like at $1.91 per share. So all of these hedge funds, all of these institutional investors, they started to borrow up these shares, and they drove the price down. All of a sudden, you had a, a group on social media, on Wall Street Bets, came together as a collective unit. This is on the platform Reddit. It's a, like, I guess a social media channel. I don't really follow. But nevertheless, you had a group of individuals, millions of people, get together and basically wanted to turn the tables on the big hedge funds and institutional investors. How do they do that? Well, they collectively all got together and said, let's buy GameStop and let's buy AMC and let's buy some names that we have realized that people have been beaten down for quite some time and let's turn the tables on them. So what they did then is they started to buy up the, the, the shares of GameStop and AMC. I'm going to focus on those two because those are the two that really have gained a lot of traction recently, specifically GameStop. So all these people now are buying up these shares. So ladies and gentlemen, it's just simple economics. There's no supply of shares of GameStop or there's limited supply because that supply has all been loaned out. 
The bottom line is there was more shares loaned out of GameStop than there were shares available. And they did that because they can make money loaning out more shares because that's the interest that people have to pay when they want to borrow the shares. So the brokerage firms are not going to turn down people and turn down money to allow people to short sell these particular companies, which means again, just borrowing the shares. So they allow it to happen to a point where they have loaned out more shares than there are shares available in GameStop. So smart people, the smart novice investors that, that have, you know, formulated this strategy, kudos to them. Fantastic idea. All got together, realized that this is a problem and started to now buy up the shares at these rock bottom prices, $2 and 50 cents, $3 and 50 cents and continued and continued. So now there's this demand for the shares. And if there's no supply or limited supply of shares and demand outpaces supply, ladies and gentlemen, that's simple economics. Prices have nowhere to go, but up. And then the frenzy continued is more people wanted the shares and more people wanted the shares because now they started to see prices continue to move higher. Now, if you decided that you wanted to borrow these shares of GameStop, you make money when the stock goes down, you lose money when the stock goes up. That's completely against conventional investing. Conventional investing is I buy something, I hold on to it, I sell it at a higher price, I lose money if the stock goes down. Short selling is the complete opposite. I make money when the stock goes down, I lose money when the stock goes up. Here's the problem. You lose money when the stock goes up. You make money when the stock goes, or sorry, you make money when the stock goes down, you lose money when the stock goes up. How high can the stock go? I ask this question all the time. How high can the stock go? There is no number. It's infinite, which means your losses can be infinite. If you just buy a stock, the lowest it can go is zero and you lose your initial investment. That's it. There's a floor. When you short sell, there's no ceiling, which means if you decided that you wanted to borrow the shares with the idea that you're going to buy them back at a cheaper price, it could work against you that that price just continues to move higher. And you then have to chase that price and chase it and chase it and chase it with no end in sight. And that's what's happening right now is you have these, these individuals that are buying these shares of GameStop now and they're holding on to them. And they're basically what's it's what they're doing is what's called a short squeeze. And they're basically forcing all these people that decided to bet against GameStop to basically, <laughs> to basically bleed. And they're going to hold on and they're going to hold on and hold on and drive the price of GameStop to these unsustainable levels. I mean, at one point on Friday, it hit $485 a share. And this was at $2.57 a share over the last 52 weeks. So they are making these hedge funds and these institutional investors lose billions and billions and billions of dollars with this, with this strategy. So. You know, this is really what's been happening. And I, I felt like I needed to educate, you know, my users and, and my customers um, and, and my audience on, on the repercussions of, of short selling. Look, short selling, traditionally, there's nothing really wrong with short selling. It, it allows liquidity into the capital markets, which is a good thing. 
But the problem is you can't loan out more shares than there are shares available. That's what's exasperating these gains in GameStop and AMC. It's not sustainable to see a company move 100% in in any direction in any one day. So if if these individuals have made money, kudos to them. Um, They have basically turned the tables on these big institutional investors. And these big institutional investors are not accustomed to losing billions of dollars. And this is why the trading platform Robinhood, which I find quite ironic, by the way, in poetic justice, that the fairy tale character uh, Robinhood, his MO is steal from the rich and give to the poor. Um, you know, I find that poetic that now this platform that is used has been used by these novice investors. They actually temporarily halted trading and shut down the opportunity to buy GameStop and AMC to allow the hedge funds and institutional investors to close out their positions at not so high prices. Nevertheless, they lifted those restrictions last week and the frenzy continued because GameStop was up over $300 a share on Friday. So I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to educate my audience a little bit uh, on the, the idea behind what was moving markets this past week. A lot of these companies got stuck in the volatility uh, associated with some of these names. And, and that's really, in my opinion, what moved the markets mostly this past week. And that's why 39 of the 44 companies in the stock showdown were negative was due to the volatility related to these, this short selling and this, this euphoria. I thank you for listening. I'll be back with the next podcast momentarily.